I'm going to say it again. Howdy. Okay, we got to get started really quick this morning, so um, we're get, it's going to be really different this morning. We're going to preach first and worship later and do a lot of things differently so our speaker can be at Southwood for the end of the service. So good morning. Welcome to an unusual day at Grace Bible Church, but an exciting day. Uh, we are uh, kind of wrapping up our Global Impact Week this morning. We have a, a wonderful guest speaker for you in just a few minutes, but I want to just say a couple of words of welcome if you're a guest this morning uh, to Grace Bible Church. Uh, we're not going to be able to give you a lot of information this morning, but if you'll fill out the communication card in the bulletin and drop that in the offering plates in just a little bit, we will uh, we'll send some information to you and help you kind of make a smooth transition uh, into this uh, church, if you desire for this to be your church home. Uh, in your bulletin also is an insert about Global Impact Week. We are going to um, tell you more about that in just a little bit as we go into our application time later on. But right now, I want to introduce our uh, speaker to you. Uh, we're delighted to have Fuad Masri with us here this morning. We're going to show you a little vid- video that introduces him, and then he's going to come and share with you from the Word. This is an old barn. The roof leaks. The wood is rotting. It's not much of a shelter. It reminds me of growing up in Beirut, Lebanon. We'd take trips to the mountains, and the barns there were not much of a shelter either. I'm Fuad Masri. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, in a war zone. I lost many family friends. One of my best friends was killed by a sniper. I decided during the war that I refused to believe in God. But God used the same war that drove me away to bring me back to faith in Jesus. When I believed in Jesus, God forgave my sin. God gave me a new value system. He gave me love to my neighbors and to my enemies. I started loving Jesus and I found out that the family of Jesus is made up of different people, different backgrounds, different races, but they are one in Christ. I was speaking with a Muslim friend of mine from Libya. He said to me, Fuad, we Muslims know that Islam is not working, but it's like living in a house with a leaky roof. We'd rather be in the house than be outside in the rain. Sadly, most Muslims today did not choose to be Muslims. Most Muslims have never heard the true teachings of Christ. Muslims need and deserve an authentic Christian witness. Muslims need to know about another house, the house of Jesus. Good morning, Grace Bible. It's great to be worshipped together. Many times when we talk about the Muslim word, people are upset. They say, oh, what are you trying to do with Muslims? You know, oh, you're trying to convert them. You know, you're trying to change their religion. We are not here to change anybody's religion. We are followers of Jesus, and Jesus says to us to go and share the good news with all people. The good news is that a Savior has been born. The angels appeared to the shepherd and said, today in the city of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. Millions of Muslims have never heard that God sent Jesus as our Savior. I'm going to use a little bit of PowerPoint because it's the 21st century. We're going to kick off with this verse. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This is our message to Muslims. This is why we love Muslims. That's why we pray for Muslims. Because Jesus loves them and wants them to have an abundant life. It's really exciting to be here. Thanks, Pastor Pat and Pastor Brian, for inviting me. Praise the Lord for your church. You know, your church has a missions committee. Praise God. Not a lot of churches have missions coming. You have missions conference. And our title today is The Need of the Hour. The Need of the Hour. It's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. It's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. You heard my testimony. I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. My name is Fouad. If you can't say Fouad, call me Joe. I answered that one. Uh, my wife is a blonde American. 
We well, praise God, we've been married 19 years, have two children. But the first three years of our married life, my, call, my wife called me honey. I said to her, why are you calling me honey? She said, I can't say your name. <laughs> so this morning, please don't call me honey. That's for my wife, Lisa. And uh, you can call me Joe, but Fod sounds good, like quad with an F. Fod means loving heart. So guys, when you give a rose to your girl, say, this is from my Fod, from my loving heart. But I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and I shared a little bit of my testimony. My dad is Lebanese, my mom is Syrian, so you can, stay, you can say I've been hostage all my life until I came to America as an international student. But Lebanon is in the heart of the 1040 window. And you know, this morning is going to be a little bit sad how we're going to start sharing a little bit about the need of the hour. This is the 1040 window. This is the least evangelized people groups. Let me repeat that. This is if you are born in any of these countries, the chances of you seeing a page of the New Testament is zero. The chances of you seeing and meeting an authentic Christian, someone who loves Jesus, someone who knows the Bible, is zero. My personal Bible, my personal Arabic Bible is banned, is illegal. Is banned in Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen. It's illegal to have a Bible. Iran, Pakistan. It's illegal for someone even to consider changing their religion. It's the 21st century. And millions of people have never even seen a page of the New Testament. Our ministry leads mission trips. On one of the trips, I was in southern Spain giving out Arabic Bibles. And we were, the table was right next to the curb, and this car slowed down. And the driver had a bushy beard, you know, devout. He was very devout. His beard was so bushy, it was down to his second button. I said to him, assalamu alaikum. He said, wa alaikum salam. I said, sir, we are giving the Injil. Injil is the Arabic word for New Testament. I said, we're giving out the Injil. Would you like a copy? He goes, son, I am the imam of Amsterdam. I said to him, nice meeting you. He said to me, have you read the Quran? I said, yes, 14 times. He goes, in Arabic? I said, yeah, in Arabic. Why? Do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. <laughs> he said to me, I've never read the Injil. He is the imam. He is the religious leader. He's never read the book of Jesus. If he's never read the book of Jesus, what is he teaching his people? Nothing. Nothing about Jesus. He never read the book. And the struggle today is millions. Millions have never heard that story. That Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. That Christ gave us perfect teachings. That Christ lived a perfect life. That Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead on the third day. It's sad that it's the 21st century and nobody has heard. This is the crisis we're in. Information crisis. Information crisis. The second thing, you know, you're watching the news. Last night I was watching the news on Syria. We are in a big political mess. We are in a big political mess. We cannot solve our problems. Because at the heart of the issue is, of politics is value system. How do you look at each other? A young man, 21 years old in Alexandria, Egypt, was blogging. He blogged by saying he, does, he disagrees with the imam of the mosque for what's saying. The secret police captures him, throws him in prison. He's blogging. It's the 21st century. We have religious apartheid in the Muslim world. Religious apartheid means one religion stays on top. And the struggle today is you cannot change religion. You can investigate another religion. There are websites that are banned because they talk about Jesus. And it is embarrassing. That's the 21st century. And we have this crisis. Political crisis. <laughs> Tasneem Islam, Pakistan's foreign ministry spokeswoman. This is what she says. Anyone who describes Islam as an intolerant religion encourages violence. 
What does that mean? English is my second language. What does that mean? What is she saying? What is she saying? If I call you the bully, you beat me up. Is that what she's saying? The struggle today is we cannot even question our leadership. We cannot even ask the question. Churches are being burned in Egypt just because somebody got upset. Let's burn a church. And then we don't hear about it in CNN. Why? Oh, we don't want to offend anybody. We have a struggle today. This is not offenses. This is reality. We are living in the darkness. And it's easy for us to curse the darkness. But Jesus wants us to light a candle. Jesus wants us to light a candle. This is the situation we're in. Social issues. Religious issues. Information crisis. People don't know. Even with the websites. The websites being blocked. And many, many Muslims have never heard the good news. But what is Jesus saying to us this morning? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. If you have your Bible, please turn it there. If you have your Bible on your iPhone, it's okay. It's spiritual enough to use your Bible. Okay? <laughs> My theology allows me to do that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. See, many times I fall in this problem that I think Jesus is surprised. Jesus is surprised with the darkness. But this is what Christ said to his followers. Me, I am a follower of Jesus. This is what he said to me 2,000 years ago. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It is important to see there is darkness there and this, this map is of all the mosques in the United States. We estimate about 7 to 8 million Muslims have moved to North America. Yet 90% of them never visit a Christian home. 90% of them come to America as international students. So Christmas is Santa Claus, Easter is rabbit season, and you could live in this country for four years or six years and never hear the gospel. One of the ladies who took the training, uh, Bridges DVD, uh, that was the clip from it. It's a DVD series on how to meet Muslims and how to build a friendship with them, how to share the good news in a respectful way, in a sensitive way. One of the ladies took the class and crossed the street. See, all of us want to cross the ocean. Let's cross the street before we cross the ocean. She crossed the street and met this Egyptian family. The daughter was 16 years old. The mom is there and they're having chai, you know, tea, Egyptian tea. While they're eating, the mom said to her, oh, you are a nice American. She said, thank you. She said to her, we've lived in this house for six years. You're the first American. They lived in that house, how many years? For six years, she's the first American. They lived in this house in the land of the free, home of the brave, for six years, and she's the first American. Another lady took the training. She's walking at Target supermarket, and the, the lady behind the, the checkout line, she's bagging groceries. She looked at her, she looked like she's from another country. She told her, where are you from? She said, I'm from Bangladesh. She said to her, I'm a Christian American. Can I welcome you to America? And gave her a hug. And the lady started crying. She said, I've been here for three months. Nobody says hi to me. And the struggle we're in is it's easy to curse the darkness. It's easy to say, oh, there's a problem today in the Muslim world. But we need to light a candle because Jesus said what? You are the light of the world. What? I am the light of the world? You are the light of the world? How? How? The moon is a good example. The moon does not 
have light of its own. It reflects the sun. You and I don't have light of our own. We are reflecting the true son of righteousness, Jesus, the Messiah. We are reflecting the true righteousness of Christ. He is the son of righteousness. And it's exciting to see that God is bringing Muslims here for a reason. So they can see true faith. True faith. I'm sure many of you here this morning have a Muslim classmate, Muslim neighbor, Muslim co-worker. And that's okay. They're there because God wants you to light the darkness by shining Jesus. Light always defeats darkness. Do you know that? This room can be dark and I can light one candle and it defeats darkness. It doesn't matter the amount. A small candle can light a lot of places. It's just a small light. You and I need to see that. It doesn't matter how many people we need to reach. Light also helps people see clearly. And then we are always have to know that once we shine for Jesus, he will attract them. Rami is a Muslim from uh, Egypt. He's Sunni. And I met him. Great guy. He had um, been asking questions about Christianity. We met at Pizza Hut. And we went through this booklet, Adha and the Injil. Adha means sacrifice. Injil means New Testament. It explains why Jesus was our sacrifice. We get to the prayer where we ask people to surrender their life to Christ, ask for forgiveness, and decide to follow Jesus. He said to me, I would like to pray this prayer and dedicate my life to Christ. I said, why don't you pray at home? He goes, no, no, I want to pray right here. It's the first time I met him. He prayed and took Jesus as Savior. Discovered for the last three years, he's been reading the Bible. He had three questions. Do Christians worship three gods? He discovered, no, Christians worship one God. Do Christians uh, do Christians wo- uh, follow a false book, the New Testament? He found out that no one has corrupted the New Testament. His third question, why Jesus died? And last week, all Muslims around the world, Sunni Muslims, sacrificed a sheep to remember that the son of Abraham was redeemed by a sheep. This is what I was explaining to Rami. I said, Rami, Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins. So Rami prayed and received Christ, who was baptized. He just texted me this morning. He gave his father this book, Is the Injury Corrupted? That explains why the Bible is not changed. And he said, look, my sons and I prayed for grandpa, but we need more prayer. Would you please pray for Rami when we leave this morning? Would you pray for his dad? His dad is from Egypt. He's reading now this book. But somebody talked to Rami. He started reading the New Testament. I came, I'm in a sequence. I'm in a structure. I'm in a schedule, right? It's not, I'm not the first person. I'm not the last person who lights a candle. My brother, my sister this morning, instead of cursing the darkness, we need to light a candle. And you are one of many candles. God is working in the Muslim world. God is working in the Muslim world. In the last 20 years, more Muslims have become followers of Jesus than the previous 1,400 years. Why? Number one reason, they met an authentic Christian. Not a perfect Christian, not a PhD Christian, an authentic Christian. Second, they read the Bible in their language. Three, they had a vision or a dream of Jesus. We need to be a light. We have to shine the light of Jesus. A couple of testimonies. I'm watching the clock. Forgive me. In Lebanon, we have the time. You guys have the clock. We have the time. You know? So <laughs> don't watch. <laughs> Just want to make sure. I'm going to put this up so we can pray for the Muslim world. A couple of testimonies. An Iranian guy from California, he read this book, Is the Energy Corrupted? And I was speaking in California, I, he visits with me, he goes, oh, what do you think I should do? If the Bible is true, what do you think I should do? I said, the Bible says you need to follow Jesus as the Savior. Two months later, I get an email, he prayed and received Christ. Okay, three months later, his mom was visiting from Iran. 
November 25th last year, I was on Facebook. Don't you like Facebook? And poop, you know, the bubble opens, the chat bubble. He goes, Fahad, my mom just prayed with me to receive Jesus as, my, as her Savior. God used someone to give this man something about the New Testament. Shine the light. He gets saved. Now he has the light. He's shining to his family. His mom is visiting from Iran. She sees the light and she is now a believer. Guess what happened this January? His dad is baptized. Once you have the light, it will start shining and people will be attracted by the light. Because through the light, you defeat darkness and you can see clearly. You can see clearly. God is on the move. God wants you and I to shine the light. It's easy to sit this morning and criticize the darkness. But God wants us to shine the light. You know, it's very important. I want to share with you a couple of stories. We were, uh, we were going on a mission trip to Lebanon about a year ago. I, I like Beirut. I'm from Lebanon. Uh, they fixed the country. You know, no signs of the war. And in America, you get like, what, three types of baklava? You know? It's a, it's a sweet. It's a dessert. If you haven't done baklava, it's a dessert. Well, in America, you get three types. And in Lebanon, we have 35 types of baklava. So I was leading this team from America. We had 11 Americans. We're downtown Beirut. So we enter this baklava store, and there's baklava everywhere. The smell of sugar is everywhere. Americans are happy, and we're eating. <laughs> and I decide to come pay for the, guy, for the baklava. I say, Assalamu alaikum. I say, Wa alaikum salam. I said, sir, I want to pay for the baklava. He looks at me and goes, are you evangelical? How does he know I'm evangelical? I'm there for baklava. I'm not there to share anything. So he said to me, uh, are you evangelical? I said, yes, I'm an evangelical. All of us here are evangelicals. We're in Beirut praying that God will bless Beirut. He said to me, oh, evangelicals are wrong. I said, we're wrong. He goes, yeah, because you follow the Injil, the New Testament. The Injil has been corrupted. I said to him, astaghfirullah, means God forgive you for blasphemy. You know? <laughs> I said to him, astaghfirullah, if all the Christians got together to change the Bible, who will win, God or the Christians? He goes, what'd you ask me? I said, if all the Christians got together to change the Bible, who will win, God or the Christians? He goes, God will win. I said, then what you're saying is an insult to God. No one can change God's word. He said, yeah, but the Bible is wrong because it says that Jesus died on the cross. I said to him, what glorifies God more, to help Jesus escape death or to help Jesus conquer death? He goes, what'd you ask me? I said, what, help, what glorifies God more? To help Jesus run away or to die and raise from the dead? What glorifies God more? He said, well, there are other things around us that glorify God. I said, I know, but Jesus is the only person in history who said, you will kill me and I'll raise from the dead on the third day. He looks at me and goes, I've never heard anything like this. He gave me his email. He gave me his business card. He has an MBA, owns seven baklava stores, and asked to take this book, Is the Injil Corrupted? and Adha and the Injil. We need to shine what our problem today in them when we look at the missions. When we look at missions, we think that there's some kind of equation that works, you know, right? Like somehow if I go to this place or I take this training and I read bo- this book, it works. True, they all help. But Christ was very clear. Christ was very clear. You are the light of the world. He has given you the light. He is in you. And many times you'll be shocked how God works. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean looking at the clock and the testimonies. But there's a lot of stories. People email us. When I started reaching out to Muslims, it was 1979. Felt called to just tell Muslims about Jesus. We would hear maybe about somebody taking a Bible, following Christ, maybe once a year. 
Last year, every week, every week, Muslims are taking the Bible. Muslims are, are reading the Bible. I was in Lebanon with a guy who was Hezbollah for two years. I'm sitting there with him having, having Lebanese bre- dinner. And he looks at me, he goes, Fuad, somebody in Costa Rica gave me a Bible. He was visiting Costa Rica. And if somebody who has the light, shine the light. He took a Bible, started reading. He said to me, I read the Sermon on the Mount in Arabic. They gave him an Arabic Bible, it's beautiful. In Arabic it says, Sorry, I love Arabic. It says, Blessed are the pure at heart because they will see God. He said, I've never heard a verse like that. A year later, he became a follower of Jesus and was baptized. The beauty, my brother, my sister, is we are the light of the word. But this morning, I want to push a little bit deeper. God wants us to take a deeper step. We know we're the light of the word, but what happens to us, we look at the darkness and we step back. Oh, it's so easy to step back. Oh, the darkness, there's so much of it. I'm only one candle. But chapter 9 of Luke, in verse 62, Jesus says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying, this is serious business. What Jesus is saying, you have to have focus. It is easy for me to tell you, hey, hey, let's sing a song and let's go get lunch. Seriously. We're okay in America here. It's okay here, right? It must be okay over there. Let's not talk about these issues. Let's not talk about somebody who's never heard about Jesus. Let's push it away. One pastor said to me, I can't send people on your mission trips. I said to him, why? He goes, because the environment in the Muslim world is not conducive for evangelism. What? It's not conducive? What? When we talked about the civil rights, was, was America ready, right? Were we ready? Were we condu- okay, when we talk about the slave trades, was it conducive? Okay, when Christ came to people who awaited the Messiah, were they ready? You share because you need to share. You share because God wants you to share. You are like the word. You are the light of the word. My challenge for you this morning, are you praying for Muslims? Are you praying for missions? Are you praying for the missionaries? A friend of mine in London, every day of the week, he picks a Muslim name. So on Mondays, he prays for everybody called Muhammad. He covers a lot of territory, just right there. Our ministry challenges people, if you give us your email, you get an email from us called Call to Prayer. We're asking people to pray for Muslims every Friday at noon. I said that at a training in New York City, and the gentleman in the front said, is that Eastern Standard Time? 12 o'clock, wherever you are, pray. A friend of mine just started a website last year, Adopt a Terrorist for Prayer. He takes the names of the terrorists from the State Department. And puts it on his website. ATFP, adoptaterroristforprayer.org. What a great idea. We are the light of the world. We are different. Millions of Muslims are watching us. Right? They are watching. They're watching how we behave. They're watching how Christians deal with things when they attack us. When they burn churches. Are we burning mosques? Pray, pray. Second, get training. Get equipped. Get equipped. There's resources. The church has a lot of resources. And thirdly, get involved in the game. Get involved. There are mission trips this summer. I know you're going to hear about them, but there's going to be mission trips. Now, I want to end with a small story, and I really want, want us to have a spirit of prayer. But my brothers and sisters, it is hard for me to tell you how dark it is in the Muslim world. Really, it's easy. I'm like, hey, let's go get tamales, you know? Let's go get something. But we are in major crisis. 
And Christ wants us to be focused. It is hard. Praying, getting training, going, it's hard. But I learned a lesson when my son was eight years old. My son is a great athlete, and he was eight years old. And we're, we live in the Midwest, so it gets hot in the summer. And we decided to put the sprinkler system and let him and his cousins play. Well, there's a glass table there on the deck, and he jumped on the glass table to pull the umbrella and fell through the glass table. There was blood everywhere, glass everywhere. He went through his knee. By the time we were done, there were 25 stitches. But we rushed, we get called 911, 911 comes. We rush to the hospital, we're there, and the doctor comes in and he says, look, you know, we can just stitch him and send him home. I said, well, don't you want to put him under and wash the knee? He said, no, he might uh, go under and not wake up. I said to him, sir, can I get just a couple minutes? I closed the door of the room and I said, Lord Jesus, give me wisdom. So God reminded me that Justin had an operation before and he did okay with the anesthesia. So I opened the door. I said, please, put him under and wash his knee. The doctor put him under. He washed his knee. They found three pieces of glass. One of them was one inch and a half in the knee. The easy way was to stitch him and send him home. The hard way was to clean the knee. The easy way was to stitch him and send him home. The hard way is to wash the knee. The easy way is just to do the easy thing. Oh, don't rock my boat. Don't shake my, my lifestyle. Don't change it. What do you mean I have to go on the mission field? What do you mean I have to talk to somebody who eats garlic and oregano? Go, God forbid, you know. God forbid we talk to somebody who's dressed different or has an accent. It's the easy way. Oh, let's just have fun. The hard way is the right way. The hard way was to get the doctor to wash my son's knee. The hard way is to light in the darkness. That's the hard way. And Jesus is saying, don't lose focus. May God bless you. May God bless this church that you will raise a banner for Jesus, not only here among the Aggies, but around the planet. Lord bless you. I'm going to leave this slide up. Thank you. It's for us. Thank you. Thank you, Fuad. Reason Fuad's rushing around is we're actually we're having him speak here, then at Southwood, then he's going to come back here and speak at eleven, and then he's going to go back to Southwood. So we got him running around. Uh, we got to keep the schedule tight. Yeah, let, let's pray for him as well. Uh, as, as he was speaking, I was thinking of Ephesians chapter six, where Paul says, "Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers." against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, if you watch the news, you see that it is incredibly dark in the Muslim world right now. And, and, I, and I agree, I, I confess, sometimes uh, my reaction is to pull back rather than to step in the middle of that darkness and uh, shine a light for Jesus Christ. But that is why God has left the church on the earth. And the reason that uh, annually we have a missions conference and take a whole week is uh, as a congregation, we need to be stirred up continuously. You know, it is, it's just our flesh to turn inward and to worry about our own comforts, our own needs, our own families, maybe our own neighborhood, maybe our own community. But that's just the nature of our flesh is to turn inward rather than to look out and say, I am here for a purpose to be used and used up for the Lord. 
and then to die and to walk into the presence of the Lord. And there are those uh, standing with me worshiping. And they're there because uh, I believed that God was worthy to be known among all the nations, even those that are uh, dark. So uh, Pat invited Fuad, who, who just has a phenomenal testimony of God reaching into the darkness of his world and drawing him out. We wanted to bring him here to have an opportunity just to stir us up a little. So uh, we're going to uh, finish our service. We're going to have time of worship, and we're going to hear from um, a couple of our folks who left Grace Bible Church and, and went into the Muslim world. Uh, and then we'll have an opportunity just to respond um, and just examine our own hearts, see how is God leading us to be involved. Maybe right where we are through prayer and uh, through our finances or maybe through going ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we uh, enter this time of, of singing our praises to you, that we would be reminded that you are worthy for everyone to know who you are. You are the one true God. You are the one true God who sent his son, his only son, to be the one payment for our sins so that we could escape the penalty of sin and death. Father, I pray that you break our hearts for the things that, that you love, that you love uh, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You want them to know you and worship you, to love you, be in relationship with you. I pray, Father, that you'd use this morning just to stir up our hearts afresh. In Christ's name, amen.